this is Ross Payton with Role Playing Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 190190. Woo! <laughs> Outcasts in role-playing games and RPGs, really. That's, I don't know if you know this, but that's what we talk about here on Role Playing Public Radio. We talk about role-playing games. Whoa, whoa. When did this start? Uh, it's Is this a, a recent change? Yes, it's. Uh, we're trying to cash in on the fifth edition of the most popular RPG in the world. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's some <laughs> clever marketing there, Ross. Good job. Uh, how you doing, Tom? Uh, oh, super duper. You're not here for every episode, but every episode you are here is a treat. Yay, I am a treat. You are a treat, Tom. I'm a delicious little chocolate cake. <laughs> okay, well, I, I didn't specify. Uh, it was, I think it was I kind said, of a metaphorical treat. But I, guess more, uh, I guess more of a like kind of cream, vanilla cream cake, maybe. Okay, sure. Whatever, whatever, whatever you want, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, we're going to be talking about the idea of the outcast. We're talking about the outcast in fiction and in tropes. Uh, as something uh, as something to play with uh, in role playing games, I yeah. might have explored this a f- couple of times. Yeah, this has come up because we just played a game of Mutants in the Now. Uh, Mutants in the Now is uh, which you can listen to the Russian job this the adventure I'm talking about um, up on RPPR actual play. Uh, it is a retro modern RPG. It is inspired by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness and after the bomb from one the, of Palladium's better games, uh, probably their best game. I would say. I would, yeah. yeah, I got to agree with that. Yeah, but it updated it basically it took the idea of it and made it into with its own system, which has similarities, but uh, a lot of differences. Uh, Much better designed. It's yeah, a lot better designed. It's been fun. It is a bit of a crunchy game. Um, anyways, they did a sponsored actual play uh, mm-hmm. and because they're kickstarting means in the next net right now. And uh, you should check that out. But anyways, um, the reason I, I thought of this outcast is because in both games, you're outcast like the TMET. You're you're not really members of society. You have to live in secret. Uh, I mean, as yeah. mutant animals. Yeah. I mean, in the game, you can have a background where you are open. Yeah, and you can. But the way I, I'm doing it is, and most games do it is, yeah, you're not. Yeah, uh, because you could be a mutant animal that looks like a human, um, except with like you know cockroach antennas or cat ears, or you could be a cat girl, a literal cat girl in the game, and thus people think you're human, but you're really not. That idea, the idea of being the outcast, and this is a topic that I've come up in Base Raiders mm-hmm. uh, as well, obviously, the underground, the non-human underground, the the, uh, yeah, the the robots and the aliens and the magical creatures all have to live literally underground. Uh, because, because they're not human, but they're smart enough to resent not being treated that way. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have legal rights, and uh, that's a big thing in base rare. So uh, it's a it's a concept I, I'm intrigued in the the role playing opportunity. So that's what we'll be talking about in this episode. But first, we do have a bit of news. Yes, we do. Uh, the RPPR Patreon has some stuff going on. Patreon.com slash RPPR. Uh, we just finished uh, our six episode series on Castle Greyhawk, oh, a <laughs> TSR mega dungeon, twelve levels, including uh, well, it's actually thirteen chapters because there's also a surface chapter. Uh, about the the castle itself before you go into the dungeon. Um. Anyway, uh, Tom and Aaron and I delved into the bottom. Uh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, and it's uh, confronted the random monster generator. It's a it's it's a module. It's a module. And it is. That's what I will say about it. It's so, a module. Uh, one of the episodes <laughs> is up here on RPPR as a preview. But if you want to get the whole story it's the full series is now on our, our patreon so uh be sure to check that out uh, it is we all it is always quality patreon content. yeah um i'm not sure what we'll do for next month i've actually i have an idea for our next episode of uh after hours um so i'm i'm still i'm i'm working on it though is that what you bought all the knives for <laughs> well that was going to be a surprise tom thanks now i'm gonna have to change it you never told. You need to tell me these things. Well, okay. What am I gonna? What am I supposed to think when I see four hundred knives just well, stacked in the corner? Well, maybe I'm just. They're just party favors. All right. Have you thought about that? I'm not much of a party guy, but I would go to this party. Exactly. But now, well, now it's ruined. Now I have to give. Now I have to. I'll buy you up. some more knives. No, it's it's too late, Tom. You ruined the surprise. Was, so, how about some swords? Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we're also. I'm, all, I'm also trying something new uh, for our ten dollar reward level on the Patreon. I've been offering like I run two uh, online uh, games one shots uh, for patrons at that level, and people, and that's been a lot of fun. Uh, but I want to I want to see if maybe we can we can change things up. So uh, for this month and for June, uh, I'm offering one on one sessions for ten dollar and up patrons, and these are consultations about RPGs. If you have something you're working on, if you want advice for running a game or coming up with a scenario um, or anything like that, feel this is, this is for you. So uh, we are your friendly neighborhood role-playing nerds. Yeah. And I am a published author. 
uh, and everything. What? <laughs> so um, if you're interested in there, I'll put a link in the show notes to the sign-up post for May. Uh, Learn about role-playing with Ross's and June, I'll have voice. more slots available, too. Uh, anyways, um, other things. Uh, I'm remastering old actual play episodes. Uh, and most recently, Somewhere Lane, uh, Caleb's Delta Green game. That is up on our Discord server uh, if you back at the $5 level or above. <coughs> Uh, but it will be posted to the Patreon pretty soon. I, I posted it on the Discord first to give feedback to see if I caught all the noise that I could remove. Basically, I'm cleaning up the background noise uh, primarily. And Are you saying that the recording has a learning curve that we went through? Well, also, it was, it was kind of a learning curve for me also because I just put it. I've, I've been putting in more work in, you know, the audio uh, over the last couple of years for this. You do good work, Ross. Yeah. You do. Thank you. Uh but uh, for one thing, now I unplug the refrigerator every time I record a podcast. I didn't used to do that. That that's a big source. Only fair. There were years when the fridge wasn't near the our recording area. Yeah, uh, but it was it was it was it was always there. It was, I agree. It was always there. But I mean, I just didn't care. And it was also we played longer game sessions. Now we play shorter game sessions. So I feel okay plugging the refrigerator. So, anyways, oh god, yeah. Uh, I just I have flashbacks to the fourth ed game and how long those sessions would take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, we've done uh Bryson Springs, I think candle cove. I still love uh, that was one yeah, of my, this scenario- is our fourth in our series. I still love that one of my scenarios started it. Yeah. I, yeah. It makes me happy. Oh, so uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, if you're a $5 patron or above, you can, you can download these episodes, uh, listen to enhanced uh, audio quality remasters. Zoom actually. and enhance. Yes. So those are just some things. Uh, and again, the RPPR patron helps, Literally, it pays the bills and keeps this project going. I mean, we, we're doing a weekly podcast now. A uh, this podcast, this the main series, which is not trying to make it monthly. It's been it's been hard, but you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we're yeah. Do, we're you're you're doing it. Yeah, uh, we're doing it right now. And, so. we, and we love you all. We do, we do. Uh, so we should dive into the topic. So head first, let's do this. Yes, outcasts, outcasts. I, I might have run a few games like that yeah. over the years. Yeah, uh, outca- it, yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite character types. Really? Okay. I well, you know what? That does make a lot well, of sense. Well actually I remember said my favorite character type is the monstrous hero, which does lend very well to outcast. Right. So I guess we should start by defining what we're talking about when we say outcasts. And uh for me, when I think of outcast outcast is a social role. It yeah. is it is part of the community. It is the it is the other. It is it is not the enemy or the rival, you know. The alien. The, well, it's it's the it's, different. It's not necessarily the alien. It could be any number of things, but it's the person who is shunned. It is the person who is excluded from things. He's the person who do, in in some ways the outcast is the example of uh this is this is what happens if you don't follow our society's rules. We'll make you an outcast. Um so it is useful to the community to have an outcast. Uh, but it is obviously not so fun to be the outcast yourself, but, um, it is not innate, you know, uh, it is not something, uh, if you, you know, if you have, uh, brown hair, you're always going to have brown hair no matter where you go. Uh, but well, if, I mean, yeah, you can, you can try to disguise it. Well, you can't try to disguise it, but like, yeah. it's still there <clears throat> or your blood type. You're, you know, if you're a, you know, uh, O positive, you're always going to be O positive. Those Damn, oh, positive freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Being an outcast, if you leave that community, you go to an entirely different area, it's possible you won't be an outcast. So it's a social role. And so the whole idea in role-playing games is to contrast the outcast, what they can and can't do socially. And like, and so the whole point, so there's, there's different types of outcasts. There's, you know, the outcast as basically cosmetic or flavoring, you mm-hmm. know, like, I see that a lot in like D and D type games. You know, I'm, you know, it's kind of an edge Lord sort of character background. Like I'm an outcast. I'm like tieflings mm-hmm. like, or the one guy that wants to play a knoll. Yeah. In a group of like paladins and clerics. Yeah. And he makes his knoll like lawful good. And you know, like a, a or a neutral good ranger or whatever. And he's perfectly fine, and but he wants to be a null. And just because you know that, just because that one community got raided by a pack of gnolls back in the day, and they there was a slight, large amount of cannibalism that went on, and then your happy ass walks in. <laughs> okay, well, not no, uh, an outcast null would be like the humans raided a null community, and they found a null <laughs> baby at the end, and like they said, well, we can't kill the, this null baby, so we'll raise it. But it's a null, so it's going to be the outcast. It's going to be our, you know, um, 
stable boy basically but he's a he's a tough uh, wise smart you know cool null and he rises to become a ranger despite just being the stable boy um so that that would be an outcast human communities don't like him and null communities aren't going to like him either exactly he's an outcast in both communities but in DD games that that kind of what i see a lot of and Mm -hmm. you know you can tell me is that this is more cosmetic I'm an outcast, but like... It's not going to stop you from going on the raids and everything that's in the game. Well, yeah, no. I mean, the dungeon qualities aren't the problem. It's when they go back to town, right? And like what happens in a lot of D&D games that I, I've seen um, is, all right, you go back to town, you, you you can sell your items and go to the inn and stay. And people might, the, D, the DM might like, oh yeah, they give you some funny looks, but... The paladin will vouch for you so you can be let in, Mr. Knoll Ranger. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're a high enough level, like, who's going to stop you? Well, it depends on the D&D setting. Some D&D settings are pretty bad. Okay, yeah, if you're wandering, like, you know, you know, the city of doors or whatever. Yeah, Uh, Sigil, yeah. Sigil, like, okay, yeah, there might be someone that can say, yeah, you're not allowed in here. Right, but Outcast and Sigil are very different than this. Oh, true. A generic, like... The the so this cosmetic thing is more like the DM is like okay you can be an outcast but I'm not because it requires both the player and the D and the GM to like participate in order for the no for the outcast to be like yeah. how, how I mean, big it, is this going to be like, and also how important is it right like in in D and D games what I see is the outcast thing is not very interesting to the GM and the GM's like okay I guess you can be an outcast but I'm not going to like make a hassle about this I'm not going to yeah. make you yeah, okay. maybe yeah maybe the GM might say like Hey, you're going to have to get your teammate to sell your shit for you. Yeah. Well, even that's something like some GMs would just hand wave and say, yeah, you can go in there. They're not going to bother you. They're the, the, the uh, guards oh, look at you, the, the paladin vouch for you. You're fine. Or like, Oh, Hey, you proved yourself when you killed those goblins. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're just, they're going to be very accepting once you, because you're clearly a hero and you're working with the paladin because blah, you blah, not blah, being blah. accepted is not part of what I'm doing. here. Yeah, exactly. It's not, the GM is not interested in running games where that is a major theme. Like, Role-playing games, you kind of have to choose what your theme, what is, what what the story is going yeah. to be about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, you know, you can have multiple themes, but yeah, you got to know them. Right. You can't have too many themes in a, in a story because if it has too many themes, it doesn't really have any themes. You know, you can't, you mm-hmm. have to, you have to. But you have to know what's important. What's important in your story. And uh, if you, if the player is like, and so, the, and this happens a lot, the players like wants the game to be about being an outcast, but sometimes it's toxic players who are like i want to be in the spotlight all the time i want the entire everyone at the table to have to deal with me being an outcast yeah it's yeah it's the hey dig me well it's like well we can't do this because i'm too special to be led into the inn and like i will have to go out and so we have to make this about my special accommodations i have to go in the forest and i have to go in the forest and brood over a a roaring bonfire so run random encounters just for me in the forest and uh ignore what the the gm like uh, uh, can we just sell your shit so we can move on? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, that happens. And I think that that happens in D and D type of games a lot. And that, that sucks. Don't do that as a player or as a GM come to a consent. If the player wants to be an outcast, that's fine. But like as a GM, you're going to have to tell them like, all right, either I, either you make the game about being an outcast to some degree or another. Uh, and it's by the, it's this very theory that, yeah. I understand why we haven't. I haven't got to do the character idea I've wanted to do for years. Yeah, just play a ghoul. Yeah, but I totally get why it has to be the right game at the right time with the right. Right, people. I would have to make a game about being a ghoul, and but. which and I would want to do that, but I wouldn't want that to take over the entire game. Yeah, um, and in that case, like that's because it's a mystery investigation. All the 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 games with where ghouls exist. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Cthulhu Mythos type games have all been mystery investigation games, and that's the type of game I want to run. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to like balance that if everyone else is human and badges and humans with badges, you know, that can go in and ask people questions and arrest people and get access to classified documents like, and yeah. all this other shit. And then, hey, why do you have human meat in your fridge? Exactly. Like, why? Why do you? You know. And then there's yeah, the thing that smells of corpses and digs through the ground. Like that's yeah. So how I, can I get those look, two I, to fit together? I yeah. I, I'm like I'm tw- I'm thirty percent. I can't believe I haven't gotten to do this. And seventy percent. I totally get why we haven't done this. Yeah, it would have to be a game where all the players are ghouls or outcasts. Like that's the other thing. So you, so on one end of the spectrum, we have cosmetic hand wave. Mm. Like okay, you're you're an outcast, but it doesn't really mean anything. It's just flavoring for your character. It's like wearing a cool hat. Like 
it does. It just, it's a cool hat, but it well, doesn't I do. really I, mean a whole I lot. I mean, that, yeah, I've seen, that's some pretty, that's, there can be some pretty baller hats. Exactly. There can be, but like the Noel Ranger in that case, he's, he can make his backstory about that. But the GM in most D and D games on that, I think, uh, are not going to be interested in that. So on the other hand, we have the full immersion where mm. it's like the game is about being an outcast and yeah, every, so if everyone, every player was a ghoul, like you're, you know, a group of Cthulhu mythos type ghouls and it's about being a cannibal and like eating people's brains and learning. But you're trying, like, you're, but you're trying to do, you're trying to do and trying to do, you're trying to do a, a common goal. Yeah. Now r- related would be like vampire, but vampire is actually interesting because it's a it, vampires are outcast to human society in a sense, but they have their own society, but they have their own society in which case they're, but they're outcasts in vampire society. And, and so we'll get to that. Yeah, full full immersion games about being outcast. Now you could do it to where everyone. Um, now you can do a game where everyone is an outcast. Um, now mm. a lot, not just necessarily a ghoul or a knoll or something monstrous, but like there are any number of motivations for or reasons why a person can become an outcast, depending on the society. Yeah, and, ideological, political, just yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and a lot of times being an outcast is a motivation for being an adventurer, especially in dungeon crawling kind of game. So Mm -hmm. like everyone could be in the D and D game. You could do a game where they're all outcasts, but they're all like, Oh, you're all people who have been, uh, your, your noble families have been exiled for these crimes that they committed. You didn't commit and you're innocent, but like you, 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 you've lost all your money. You have all this training and power, but you don't have all kinds of baggage that goes with the the banishment. Yeah. Um, so no matter where you go, no, yeah. you're like, oh, you're one of them. Yeah. Um, or games about Ronin, like mm-hmm. in, in, you know, feudal Japan, like Ronin had special skills and weapons and training, but like they're outcasts. They were, they, they lost their place in society. And so like everyone else, their new role was a wandering, mer- you know, wandering landless mercenary. And, or you're just waiting with, you know, your friends to, for the right time to strike. Right. Well, yeah, the 47 Ronin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that would be. Uh, uh, but yeah, they're still wandering landless mercenaries, which were useful. They still had a yeah, role yeah. society. Oh, yeah. Like, you can be an outcast, but still have a purpose. You're doing. Yeah. So people hired them for. And so that's perfect for being a player character because you you get to wander around and you get actually, hired to do dangerous. Yeah, well, jobs. Yeah. Actually, an outcast yeah. would be a great reason to be a murder hobo. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah, exactly. So. Um, in which case, if all the players are in the same situation, then the game is about being an outcast mm-hmm. and dealing with it. Um, and uh, totally how I'm doing mutants in the now right now. At yeah. The moment. Now the middle ground is like one player is uh, not, some of the players are outcasts and some are not. And the, the game is about the tension between the two, like, uh, means in the now is it to a degree can't, and base Raiders can be like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, where there's basically, one per one or more player characters have to play the face. Like we can blend in, in human society and we can go out and do, stuff. I might even, I have a driver's license. Right. Yeah. And the other player characters have to, uh, yeah, like foot. I side like I have a driver's license. It doesn't match anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So it's about the support system, like how the player characters, you know, everyone has their own role and like one role in the group, the niche is, being the, the person who is the, the normal guy, the normal person. Yeah. Yeah. The the face who can go to the grocery store if you need to. Right. In which case, like that's the game is about that tension, like how they, they have this challenge, but only some of them can do certain things. Right. Yeah. By the way, I thought about we, I could probably do an entire session of that game of just your group having to go shopping. Exactly. Yeah. I would totally do a game like that. Yeah. And that would be really interesting uh, because it's making the mundane extraordinary because mm. of our situation. Um, we do have one person who can look human and which, yeah, you listen to the episode, but for what he is, the fact that he's the face man just fills me with joy. Oh yeah. And, but he can't even drive. So like uh, it actually came up in the game. Uh, it kind of got, we, we, we didn't actually have to go through with it, but we realized Oh, we need to we need to get a newer vehicle, a larger mm-hmm. vehicle to get this thing that we're going to transport at first. And I was like, okay, we could rent a U-Haul. Okay, well, you can rent the U-Haul person with a human face and a driver's license, but you can't drive. I can drive, but I'm I'm a mutant raccoon. So like yeah. I you while you rent the car, I sneak into the lot and sneak into the car that we're renting 
And then after you get in the driver's seat, I'll take over and you, you, you kind of pretend to be in the driver's seat. Like it would have to be a whole kind of heist in order to just get a car, yeah, a U-Haul box truck out of the lot. Uh, because if they see a raccoon driving the car, they're going to like call the cops. Yeah. Who is driving car? Bear yeah. is driving car. How exactly. Yeah. 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 And that would be incongruous. So, um, or it's when you guys had to cross the bridge or there's clearly, you know, CCTV cameras. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, like, yeah, it's like little things that you would think about in mundane life. Being an outcast can kind of make really interesting. Yeah, yes, probably. I'll probably have to get like a human mask uh, just to put on for those kind of things, and like, uh, and then you find out like, I'm afraid no mask is that good. No, 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 no. no. It would be good for a CCT because oh, yeah. low, low resolution. That that's all it would be used for is like uh, passing on and all just casual glances, especially through tinted windows. Like as long as it has the right silhouette, it would be fine. Like an animal with a snout is not going to do that. So yeah, no, yeah. I mean, actually, yeah. It's if you're sitting in a car, you could actually do that. But if you're moving, mm-hmm. having you know, then that game mask of like bestial, like yeah, just it's not just the way it's the way you move. Yeah, but if you're in a car, yeah, exactly. So, but I, I'm totally going to do more of that shit later. Yeah, um, and. So that's one really interesting. So there, there's a lot of different. There's a lot of possibilities with Outcast. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Um, and but again, it's it's got to be a group decision too. Well, it's it not it has to be not necessarily the full group. It can be that middle ground. Well, what I, well, okay. what I mean is like, but the group needs to be on board. Like, as I hey, one or more players, I want to be like an Outcast character. Like, yeah. Well, okay, but. You can't. It can't just be about you being an outcast, too. Yeah, yeah. We can't do the the spotlight stealer who wants everything to be about them. And I think it's sort of informed by the game setting. Like, means and now is a game about outcasts. Like, you mm. you like all your character origins. Like, you were raised in a junkyard. You were raised on your you 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 lived on your own. You know, you never had anyone to help you growing up. So you you had to figure out what you could. Or you you grew up. You were raised in secret by a nice human, and they, they taught you. But like that was it. Like. Every, all the character backgrounds are basically like you're an outcast yeah, to some degree. I mean, there's right? one like, you know, you were uh, actually, this is kind of back in Palladium. There was, you were, you went public. Yeah. But that'd be, that could be interesting because, all right, well, if you're in a group with other mutants, like they might resent you like, oh, you got to live out in the open. Yeah. It also changes the setting too, because like that means that the public acknowledges mutant animals exist to some degree. Mm-hmm. So like, it's interesting if you're an outcast, like a secret outcast like vampires are secret outcasts. Like they're outcasts from human society, but they can't literally can't reveal that they're vampires. You can't go public because the society they involve in will then exile them as well. Well, and kill well, them. Yeah. Kill them. They, yeah. That, like that's, that's an unforgivable sin. Uh, also the humans will probably, probably kill them. Oh, you're, you're literally a predator who preys on us. Well, yeah, you're, we're not going to give you a social security number, dude. We're just going to fucking kill you. Like, and also, like, and yeah, it's not like it was the last time this happened. Humans are really good at killing now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, speaking of vampires, so um, for example, uh, and most vampire games are about secret societies, and you know, and the, the dirty politics and all yeah, that. Yeah, uh, that's kind of part of the the genre, as it were. In like, for example, Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, you, know, you brought this up in the, when we were discussing earlier the Nosferatu. The Nosferatu are not exile; they're not outcasts by default. Yeah. There's, I mean, they're sometimes treated that way, but by Camarilla law, they are part of the Camarilla. Yeah, like you can go in to a vampire meeting, go to another vampire's and Nosferatu, even though you have you're monstrously ugly, and they're like, okay, well, we have to deal with you. It's like, oh, well, yeah, you you're in you're in the club. Yeah, but on the other hand, uh, a caitiff or a thin blood usually are outcasts, which means they're not recognized or they're not protected. Yeah, they're 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 out, outcasts of both societies. Yeah, and so those are very different things. And in vampire, though, and that's different than being in a sabat. The sabat would be a, like a rival society, and there's they they have their own outcasts, and you know people mm-hmm. that they don't like. What do they call them? Shovelheads. Those are pretty much outcasts because they're used as cannon fodder, and they're basically. Lucky, expected well, to die. They're, they're lucky yeah. if they know they're a vampire. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're just expected to die. But, I mean, granted, yeah. it could be an interesting, probably sh- shorter lived campaign in that to all be like shovel heads that were just turned in the, at the same time. Right. But then that's a game about outcasts because you're all like, all right, this this horrible thing happened to you. What do you do now? Especially uh, that would be really good with a group of players who. Uh, weren't super familiar with the conventions and mm-hmm. you just kind of had to like, okay, we need to find someone to tell us what the fuck happened to us. Like we need, yeah. 
we need help. Yeah. And uh, how they go about that. You know? I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, the probably becoming a vampire is bad enough, but when you don't have anyone to tell you what you're, what's expected yeah. of you or how to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like what, how, what can a vampire do and what can't they do? The, but there are some advantages to being an outcast Yeah, in, in a lot of ways because outcasts are typically bound by the laws of whatever society they're, they're an outcast of, but they aren't enforced the same way and or enforced at all and also the like people keep tabs on outcasts to a degree but not like they're ignored so yeah and that secrecy gives them advantages so example a ronin is allowed to wander in fact they're expected to wander so they in in feudal japan most people were bound to the land like you you were you, if you if were if you were born on a plot of land you die on that plot of land yeah exactly you were not expected to travel you know you're not expected to get, you you can't just get up and wander around um, they can also still carry swords because like, who's going to, if you, who's going to stop? Them? Yeah. Well, you, you would have to kill them in order to take their swords away and like that, that, you know, and also that's kind of their whole business was killing. Yeah. And a vampire outcast, uh, a cater for a thin blood or whatever is ignored. So they have a lot of secrecy. Like they, they aren't watched. They, people, the, even the, the spy uh, masters like the Nosferatu don't necessarily think they're worth spying on. Yeah. Like what, a, like, what are the, what information are they going to reveal? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so it is, yeah, it's possible. Like in the case of the Kadif, you can, yeah, you might be, you know, you're not part of either society, but if you just keep your head down, you're also likely to not be noticed. Right. So you can do, uh, get up to things that other people wouldn't also, uh, they have more freedom to associate with other people like a Kadif or thin blood could talk to werewolves or mages or other, some other supernatural faction, without uh being noticed you know because nobody's keeping tabs on them or as much as they are and so like a Kadov would also feel more bound unbound and also because they realize they're not part of the camarilla you know like the the outcast like hey werewolves mr Glasswalker tribe sure we can hang out i don't care uh it's fine with me you like, know. it's like oh yeah i like i live in your territory i wouldn't mind keeping a, keeping an eye on this section over here and yeah yeah if i can just hunt and not i mean not kill anyone but just you know, hunt yeah. for blood here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like thin bloods could just survive on rat blood, I think. So like, yeah, uh, well, I think, I think some sent thin bloods can even eat food. Yeah. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So they, they have freedoms that they, other, other, uh, people of society are not bound to. <laughs> it's only after you've lost everything that you're free to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So there are adv- some advantages. So it, it's about creating those, opportunities it's it's a more like being an outcast means that the law is only there to punish you not to help you or protect you uh and so you had to deal so you operate outside the law a lot of the time uh whatever that law is so Mm -hmm. i think that's the 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 key is like what what you want the the game to be about and so when you when you bring in outcasts you bring in all these conventions all these you're you're talking you're you're basically making a game about society like Mm -hmm the law and like, who does the law protect and who does the law punish and who does the, you know, and, or if you don't have a society, do you form your own? Oh yeah. Or yeah. Do you use this fact that you're an outcast, a chance to create your own society? And I mean, that's kind of like another thing I did in the game. I just did is, uh, I came up with a group of factions. Mm-hmm. These are like, they're beings that like, they, they suddenly, uh, suddenly an animal is now sentient and they, they don't know like, Oh God, what I, I can think for myself. What am I going to do now? Yeah. And, you know, they, so they're not part of society because they don't even know it. They didn't even know it existed. Yeah. Um, that's actually yeah, a really good point. Outcasts form their own societies. And so that could be another theme. Actually, that that's a really interesting idea. It would be a game where we form our own society. Like, it's a mm-hmm. game about outcasts forming their own society. Um, and, like, what kind of rules they do. So that's kind of like an interesting sandbox kind of game. That would be really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. you know what? Maybe that's what we do. The, I could do a ghoul game where it's about making your own society of ghouls. Like what rules do you actually come up with? Yeah. Like, uh, like, and how, how do you enforce them? Like also like, you know, what's your, like how, how, what's your relationship with the humans around you? Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, they're your food. You have to be around them. Yeah. Yeah. So that could actually, that see, that would be something I would be interested in because I, I do like as a, as a GM, my, my, I do like sandbox games to like, Here's a bunch of stuff that's happening. What do you do with this? Like, um, that's something I've done a lot. <laughs> I've noticed. Oh, sandbox games are amazing. I yeah. love them. So a sandbox game about making a ghoul society um, and presenting various options. Like, 
what is your goal as a society? Do you try and escape? Do you try and take over? Do you try and find balance? Um, yeah. Um, like do you try and find a way to become human again. Um, do you try and worship the old gods and gain power that way? Or, uh, yeah. Or do you sell, do you become mercenaries working for whoever gives you the most money? Yeah. Rogue, you know, rogue mystic scholars. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so God, no, that's a really cool idea. Actually. See? Inspiration. Inspiration. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm down with that. Yeah. This is not the only, these are not the only games that obviously mentioned outcasts. Like sure. I said, it's a social role. So any, any game can be about outcasts. Oh yeah. Shadowrun and cyberpunk. Uh, the player characters are tech are basically outcasts because they're shadow runners or, you know, mercenaries, you know, basically well, you're definitely not part of the corporate world, right? You're doing secret jobs for them usually, but like, um, on your own terms and you're expendable, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, then, yeah, it's, and you know, you're expendable and you kind of embrace that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's see what some other games we have played recently. Let's see. Uh, oh, heart, the city beneath, uh, yeah. obviously. Cause, uh, I mean, heart is interesting because like the heart, the idea of the heart is that, um, the people who are outcast from spire, the city above come down to the heart to seek out their heart's desire. That's what the game is about. Mm. So you can be an outcast by, and those are people who are largely outcast by choice. So sometimes it's not what society does to you. It's what you reject. What you decide to do. Yeah. yeah well, it's about a person rejecting society. Like you, you can choose to be an outcast, like uh, games about hermits, you know, people who recluses, you know, people who go out on their or own. Or like, you know, or like, you know, shit like, you know, like biker gangs from like after the Vietnam War era. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I wouldn't I mean, to mainstream, but they form their own society. So that's more like a vampire situation. Wait, yeah, it's, you know, like, well, yeah. just, you know biker, you know, biker gangs, just people, you know, people that feel they don't fit anymore. Yeah, that's true. But I think like but they still found like their own society to with its own laws mm-hmm. and like. Uh, and they had outcasts too, like uh, 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 snitches, people who ratted on them, you know, to the cops. Like th- those are pretty much outcasts from any criminal group. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Mark for death uh, is more what happens to them. Um, but a game, yeah, hermit or, you know, a pariah, uh, someone who like embraces like, fuck this, what the society says. I'm going to reject it entirely. Uh, of course, then they can become a heretic, mm-hmm. uh, heretic who goes against whatever is the accepted wisdom you know usually theological i mean that's it's a religious term but like it could yeah. be political yeah I mean, most of your cults from call of cthulhu yeah yeah cults yeah cults and cultists uh cult leaders are outcasts um and so are there but they form their own society with them at the center uh is how yep. they deal with it yeah so outcasts aren't necessarily good some people are outcasts for a reason you know like um but yeah it, some it's, people it's very it's like yeah. some people like like oh yeah, you can't go back to society. Yeah, you 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 done you done screwed up. Well, it's not or you made choices like some like what you're saying. Some people choose to be outcast. They want to be outcast because they can't yeah. stand society. And some, some people don't have a choice. So I guess that says something about like your game is is this? Are you an outcast by choice or are you an outcast be um, not of choice? Like, and uh, like what what's going to be the tension between those yeah. two types of people? Like right? It's like yeah, like I, it's like it's like yeah, you chose to be here. I didn't like. Well, you're here now. Yep. Um, so like, say like a wizard in a D and D game who is an outcast, not because of their magic, but because they don't believe that the current King is a legitimate ruler. Mm-hmm. Like they would be outcast from society. They would be, and, uh, that would be interesting. So, you know, some sort of just political thing, um, or some sort of like, I believe we're actually controlled by figures who are playing a game, you know. You like, know. oh, there he goes again. Yeah. Uh, there's also degrees of outcastness. Like, there's a difference between, like, the, you know, the village wise woman who lives at the edge, you know, by the forest. Mm-hmm. And we go to her for herbs to heal, but other, we, we don't let her in. You know, we're going to bury her in the woods. We're not going to bury her in the proper cemetery when she dies. And we certainly don't talk yeah. about her. I mean, we, we tolerate her. Yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, even like the mafia could be considered that too. Well, again, that very much a vampire thing. Like it's a mm-hmm. secret society. Secret societies are societies of outcasts because they have special rules and mm-hmm. they, they don't fit in with mainstream society. And like if you're a, yeah, if you're a mafia member, people will know and people will give you a wide berth and they're certainly going to like 
rejoice when something bad happens to you because like thank god that you know that, yeah that guy yeah that guy yeah joey the killer is you know fought, got oh, hit yeah, by yeah. if you if you get violently killed most people are gonna be like he got what he deserved exactly and no one's gonna help uh you know joey the killer is being pursued by a you know a revenant or something no one's gonna open their door to protect joey the killer from the undead monster like uh yeah be like there's like Shh, kids just let it happen yeah exactly so there's outcasts that are tolerated and they're useful, like Ronin or the wise woman. But then there's outcasts that are uh, like throw. All right, kids, throw rocks at that asshole. What if he shows up again? You know, like yeah. it, you know that are they're actively excluded or exiled um, because like Albrecht the necromancer. Boy, we don't like what he did to the cemetery. Yeah. Um, we, or, we, you know, Ed Gein or someone like him. Well, Ed Gein is a criminal, is a monster. Yeah. Like that's different. Mm. I think that's different. Like we have to. Like an outcast is not like necessarily a criminal. Uh, it's just someone who's been shunned from society for some reason. So it's like uh, someone who would be exiled would be someone who that we shun would be like someone who says something really unpopular, you know, like something like questioning the, the, the order, like, Oh, the sun, we go around the sun, not the other way around. And like, everyone's like, no, that's goes against what God says, you know, like that would be a, uh, uh, an outcast. I think so. I think there's a difference between. I mean, criminals are outcast to a degree, mm-hmm. uh, but I think there's a difference in there. I don't know. There's a Venn diagram somewhere. So Ed Gain um, was. I mean, he he kept everything hidden, so it wasn't a social role. He wasn't an outcast at all until he was caught, and then he was in prison. And like prisoners are definitely outcasts, but you know, we we specifically put a special place for them. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. There's well, a I mean, lot. Like, yeah, well, yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, well, you said yeah. Some people just choose to. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're talking about, you know, a lot of radical political radicals or philosophers or who was the Greek guy who? Uh, oh, the cynic. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? He lived in a barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was an outcast, but he chose to be. So yeah, all this we're just sort of talking about types of outcasts. And everything it's just like there's a lot of cool ideas with them, but like it's a social thing. So if you make a game about outcasts, if you want to make it about your player character or whatever, it's you're making your game about society we live mm. in a society tom for now <laughs> wow that was mm. a very poignant pause there tom yeah uh, i had to think about it for a second okay. but yeah uh, no and we do and some people are perfectly fine yeah yeah uh, others well i've i've seen people mm-hmm. who are clearly don't like it mm-hmm. so um just keep that in mind it, outcasts are it so it, whenever you make that a major theme of your game it's about what you're saying about society, about this society in this game and, um, or or what the end goal is. I mean, you can be outcast. Like your goal could be, I want to join society, right? Redemption, or it could be condemnation. You've found something, you've found a way to take society down or you found a way to make a better society or you found a way to escape society. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's in some way reaction to society that that's what you're saying. Well, and I think societies are just an inherent human thing yeah exactly it's uh, like you may you may you may hate this one but we all very i mean very few people are true loners no no man is an island yeah so like the null ranger like you could have a game a dnd game where the null ranger becomes a hero and he re- he is redeemed yeah. he and they they society he advances society he like a single person tra- they, oh it could be about a person transforming society like the Null Ranger is so heroic that people decide to allow Nulls and mm-hmm. in well, as citizens. Actually, there's a book I have. It's the the Rifts uh, Adventure Guide, uh-huh. which actually it's one that actually has some good role playing ideas mm-hmm. and, and advice. And one is like uh, like like the rewards for an adventure. Like like you know if you're like a monstrous player or a monstrous character, it could just be like like some children playing with you after you've done done the, the adventure because they trust you now. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, redemption or like bridging the gap so that you're no longer an outcast. So like, um, that, that, that could be the heroic thing. The power thing could be like the null ranger becomes so powerful. He takes over and creates his own society, remold society in his image. You mm-hmm. know, he's the Napoleon of Knowles, you know, and he's going to make the first null Republic, um, or he evil, he could like he's the null anarchist ranger and he takes down society or well, not yeah. even anarchist, but like 
a nihilist. He is he he destroys society. He unleashes the cosmic evil. He believes in nothing, Lebowski. Well, he wants revenge. You know, he he was biding his time. He forgot the you know the hand of Vecna, the eye of Vecna, or something, and he uses it to like utterly annihilate society because he was he harbored that hatred so long and he just wanted to take all these humans down with him so uh well that's what uh deacon the cobalt bard did in neverwinter nights yeah by the end of the adventure he was an epic level bard Mm -hmm. and dragon disciple Mm -hmm. and he just went back to his tribe and then you know talked them into living and living together with the human town they lived they were next to Mm -hmm. oh see yeah that's redemption so think about what you want the the story i guess that's the, the final part is figuring out what the narrative arc is going to be now, part of it is games are collaborative and you, you're mm-hmm. not going to map this out fully, but like kind of have a sense of like, here's the path with, and there's forks in the road. So you're the Null Ranger, you know, society is treating you like this. You're an outcast. What do you want this game to be about? Okay. I want to redeem it. I want to become the hero and like everyone accepts Nulls after this. Okay. We'll, we'll do this. Uh, okay. I want to become the Null Napoleon. Okay, well, here's what you would have to do to become the Nolan Napoleon. Yeah, or, or I want to fucking I want to get revenge. Or okay. like, it's, or like I want these people to remember why they fear Knowles. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, well, you get the hand of Vecna, then you can do this. You know, like in which case, so sort of maybe don't explicitly like here are your options, Mister Noel Ranger. Just kind of like at the, as the GM's like, okay, here's one cross. Here's this opportunity. You can save the orphans, uh, and and people think you're a hero. Or you can let it, or you can uh, rally the townsfolk and like take down the evil orcs. They're they're the real problem, the orcs, and uh, uh, people will see you as an effective leader. Uh, or you can or get together with the orcs, or get together secretly with the orcs, and uh, or no, get get together secretly with the demon. G- offer up the souls of the orphans, and he'll tell you how to get the hand of Ekna. So like you know the same action. But the player can choose three ways to interpret it. Uh, yeah, and that, that, yeah, I would say definitely don't don't just be the outcast. You can do like I don't get along with anybody. Oh yeah, yeah. The the pure. Oh, end. that's a trope I hate. Yeah, it's like you know, like no, it's like, no, you just don't want to get along with the players if you yeah. do that. It's again a lot of that's just like a way to justify spotlight stealing. Like you're the only person mm-hmm. there that matters. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I think I admit like playing uh, Vashik in uh, the the new world campaign. Mm-hmm. I was the one lawful good mm-hmm. character of that, of the group. And I, uh, there's times like, okay, realistically I should be trying to prevent what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, it's like, I had, I, I had to like, I guess I got to compromise with the story and the other players now. No, oh. I think that's the other thing is like what you're missing out as an outcast. And like, again, we've talked about like whether this is cosmetic or this is what the game is about, but like being an outcast should at, there should like, if you want to be more meaningful than cosmetic implies the penalties to them, like say like, yeah, you can't, you can't talk to those people. They're they're, they're It doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't matter if you roll a natural 20 on your diplomacy check. They're just not going to listen to you. Uh, you're to your, to their eyes, you're a monster and that's it. Yeah. You, um, you are other. Yeah. And so the player cares like, well, what do you mean? I can't get healed be from the, the priest. Yeah. The priest won't heal me. Nope. Yeah. Make con- you know, consequences for you being an outcast. That are not justified. Just like, yeah, well, this is what you chose. This is what you wanted the game to be about was hardship. <laughs> when you be when you pick a game about being an outcast, you're making the game about hardship, like stuff that society is going to do to you that is not necessarily deserved. Like it's going to be bad. Maybe you deserve to be an outcast. Maybe not. But like society is going to do. Some but you shit. are. Yeah. Yeah. Shit's going to happen. It's not going to be fun for you. So, yeah, like yeah. You, you may not have chosen to get your brain put into that robot T-Rex body. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> but dude, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be really hard to dial a phone now. Um, but not too hard to check for change. Cops are gonna just shoot at you. Like they're, it's gonna take a while to convince them not to shoot at you. Yeah, like, uh, you. I mean, I I want to hear your plan of how you're gonna try to convince them not to do yeah, that. No shit. Anyways, uh, by the way, that's yeah. that was totally a movie. It was uh, Tammy and the T Rex, uh, available mm-hmm. now in 4K Blu-ray uh, from Vinegar Syndrome, I believe. Uh, it's a, it's very interesting. Very. Good it's movie. a movie. It's a movie. Yeah. It's a very good movie. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that. But. Wow. Uh, <laughs> anyways, when we come back, we'll have some uh, chat. Unless there's anything else. Uh, no, I think timing. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Let us know in the comments uh, what you think about outcasts and role playing games. Uh, what kind of games do outcasts well? What kind of games don't do outcasts well? And yeah, uh, let us know on social media or in the comments on this uh, page. Yep. And uh, we'll be back. And don't don't be an out, don't be an outcast to us. Ooh. 
And we're back. Outcast no more. Yeah, I'm not going to be, be playing Outcast for the uh, that music. That would be a little... Uh, uh, d- don't do that. Yeah, copyright infringing. But yeah, we have shout outs because we do that here. Uh, that is the thing that we do. We like we like culture. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, and speaking of culture, my first shout out is a book. Uh, oh, I've heard of those. Yeah, uh, the book is called The Devil's Candy. It is a book about the making of the film Bonfire of the Vanities. Oh, Lord. Uh, directed by Brian De Palma. And... It is starring Tom Hanks and Bruce Willis. Let's see here. Uh, Melanie Griffith. I remember they were really banking that on being their huge hit. Oh yeah. So this is a long book and it goes basically the, the author had unprecedented full access to everyone pre-production production production and post-production and release of this film. So it goes the entire course, like gives the context. It was based on Tom Wolf novel, uh, how they chose the director and like all the meetings and the casting shooting in New York, shooting in LA. It's basically considered one of the best books ever written about the filmmaking process. It's also why the movie, nothing but trouble got made too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those two movies are directly correlated. Huh? Interesting. So I have to look into that. I, I not, yeah, that's not mentioned in the book. For me, it was really fascinating because I've been you know, involved in films uh, on and off. I've, I've worked on a couple of movies and as, as like production assistant, very low level stuff. Uh, I made my own movie, Motorhome from Hell. Uh, my parents I was, made, I was there. Yeah, you I, ha- were there. I had unprecedented access. You too. did. You did. Uh, yeah. Where's your tell all book? I don't know. I I figured most it was a while ago. Yeah. Most of the stories I could tell would be just things like just a few things I heard. The uh, you know heard the. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The cameraman say, yep. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But it was really insightful into the filmmaking process. Like Brian De Palma, uh, Brian De Palma was an artist, is an artist who is really focused on his craft and had a vision and tried to make the movie visually engaging and, and really, and like all these hundreds of incredibly talented people, all this money was spent to create this movie that was utterly a failure at the box office. It's been utterly forgotten now. Um, mm-hmm. I actually watched it before I read the book and it was, it was just, Oh God, it was a, it was a chore to get through. It was not. Yeah. Um, but it is, uh, like all the, all this work, all this massive amount of work and it's all just been forgotten. And like at the end of the book, they talk about how everyone parts ways and they just move on with their lives. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, like they, yeah. they, they bonded together. They're working, you know, shoulder to shoulder for months, you know, over a year, yeah. like, and then like, then it, ends. All, and then it ends. And, in my own life as a, you know, trying to make art or trying to create, you know, content, uh, all the sort of compromises and the things that I have to do, the decisions I have to make. Uh, and in some way, like the people at the very top of their game had the same kind of insecurities, like hesitations, like, Oh, what do I do? You know, like every, every imposter syndrome happens at the very top too, basically. Oh yeah. So it's kind of reassuring for me. It's like, oh, everyone's going through the same shit. It doesn't get easier. doesn't get like, you don't get more clarity even at the top. It's just, it's even, in fact, more chaotic, more intense, more like, more uncertain about things. So in some ways it was reassuring to see like everyone else is dealing with the same shit I am. It's, it is it, a fascinating book. It was, it, it, I really like, ah, oh, okay. This, and also like all the, I remember all my time on sets and you know, like, oh, okay. I can see the same kind of thing. It's like, ah, some things haven't changed. It, it's, I don't know. It was, it was really, it was a very meaningful book to me. And, uh, I said yeah. to go with that. I, this, I wouldn't call this a shout out, but, uh, there's a, a YouTube channel called good, bad flicks. Uh, they did a full retrospective on nothing but trouble. And essentially, that movie was being made by the same company at the same time. Oh, wait. Oh, Nothing But Trouble. That's a Dan Aykroyd yeah. movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually do mention at the very end uh, that it was coming out. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they were, the studio was totally banking on Bonfire of the Vanities being mm-hmm. their big hit. Yeah. And they, they were also making this movie at the same time, which the cost just kept ballooning out of control. Yeah. And uh, I think it was those two movies together helped bring about the end, the downfall of that studio. Yeah. Um. There's a you, the reason I found out about this book is um, a film critic on YouTube, Patrick Willem, um, did a 20 minute video about one anecdote in the book mm-hmm. talking about there's a 10 second shot of a plane landing, but it's uh, Concord landing as the sun is setting and you can see uh, the Empire State Building in the distance. It's this is before computers. You couldn't see G. You had to do it. Yeah. And so. The assistant director basically made a bet with the the Brian De Palma, like I can make a, a visually engaging plane landing shot that you will want to see. Uh, and he's like, well, you can't do that. It's cliche. It's boring. 
And so the, the assistant director figures it out, takes them like weeks of planning. They have to wait six months. There's one time in the year in which you can line up a plane and you can see the empire state building in the distance. It's like 15 miles away, but like one time of the year, everything lines up just right. Uh, Yeah. I've flown into New York and yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, I I know I can it's I can I can visualize the yeah. the city skyline from both airports. Yeah, um, and they had to get permission. They had to get the Concorde pilot. The Concorde pilot had like a thirty second window to land the plane. Good so, God! Uh, but they did it, and it got in the movie. And the assistant director had been working for Brian De Palma for years. And he was like trying to get his own career as a director, and that career got him meetings with people like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't want, I won't spoil how it ends. You should just read the book or at least look up their, the assistant director on IMDb. Like that's the other thing reading this book. Now, like you can just see what happens to all these people's careers. You could talk about like, Oh, I want this for my career. I want this. I want to do this. And then you can see, well, did that pay out? Well, we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, now, like you can just look it up. Yeah. You can just look up. What did Brian De Palma do after this? What did, what did Bruce Tom Willis? Hanks. Yeah. Tom Hanks. Yeah. What did, yeah. Um, spoiler alert tom hanks did fine he did fine yeah that's yeah, true yeah it's it's a really if you're interested in a film like i am as an art form and as a business as a craft as like art is work like you have to do a lot of work to make anything even yeah. like a simple thing like a book uh, you, even if is, you have even if you have the natural talent yeah i'm making air quotes in yeah. the air no it's still a ass ton of work yeah even even a role-playing game is a lot of work to do uh and a movie is a lot more work to do because there's hundreds of people involved uh, at the high end usually millions of dollars millions of dollars and yeah it's it's a lot and Uh, and egos and egos yeah that's another thing like yeah they they casting like uh uma thurman was considered uh uh, uh, for a role uh melanie griffith's character you know as the Mm -hmm. the mistress uh and like yeah they it was a whole thing. Yeah. The title comes from like the mistress should be like tempting, like the devil's candy. Like that's something an executive mm-hmm. producer says at the, in a meeting. Anyway, I love the book. It took me a while to get through, um, but it was well worth it. So, a good story is a good thing. Yeah. It's a nonfiction book. It's very, very long, but like really good. You, you had another one. Yeah. Uh, well, mine's a video game. Yeah. The kind of video games I'm into normally aren't like, the ones a lot of other people are into. I, I'm way more into simulation games. I mean, there's a lot of fans of simulation games. I know, but you're not like an outcast. I know, but no, but in RPPR, not many are into simulation <laughs> okay, that's games. Fair. That's fair. And uh, yeah, I've been playing one. It's called This Grand Life uh-huh. because it reminds me a game like when I very first got into PC gaming back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, like, I mean, it was before that it was Nintendo or nothing. But then yeah, I got my first computer. I'm like, you can play games on this thing and they're even graphically better than the NES. How is mm-hmm. that possible? And one of the first games I ever, well, the first game I ever played was Wolfenstein 3D. Second one I ever played was a game called Jones in the Fast Lane, which you can play online now I mean, for free because it's a, it was a game that came on one floppy disk. Nice. But it's essentially like, it's just like a light. It's like the first life sim game I can think of. Mm-hmm. Like get a job, go to school. Okay. And, and uh, this, this grand life is kind of an updated version of that. Uh, okay. So it was a very it was very nostalgic for me to kind of go back into my roots of gaming. I started with the Atari twenty six hundred, and I thought that would never, you know, that would never be beaten. Then, okay. then I I didn't get the I got the NES the Christmas it, after uh, Christmas it came out, so there were still months I was seeing the NES from a distance, mm-hmm. and like my you know like my I think God, I think it was like five when that came out, like my brain just couldn't process that. And that was and like the PC was the next step. And that was one of the first games I ever played for it. Oh, okay. I actually, uh, for my second shout out, uh, it was actually also sort of nostalgic for me in a way. It's a video game. Uh, it's on game pass right now. I have a game pass subscription, which I highly sure. recommend if you like, uh, cause my games are like, I'm going more like, it's gotta be simpler. I want, I don't like, uh, no complex, no big complex, no rules. big complex games for us. No, 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 I cannot. Yeah. The last big complex game I played was Elden ring. And that was, it was still like an action game. Uh, how'd that work out for you? It worked great. I love that game. The game of the decade. I, I can't, that, that's as complex as I want to get. So the game, I, the, the game I'm shouting out is not Elden ring. That doesn't need a shout out. Uh, it's Infernax. Um, it's a side scrolling, metroidvania game uh very much like castlevania 2 simon's quest so pixel graphics uh day and night mechanics and you're like this knight who comes back from the crusades and guess what there's evil in his homeland and he's got to stop and you, and you, and you gotta 
You got to fight that evil. Huh? You got to fight that evil. Uh, lots of hidden sub quests and hidden bosses and uh, stuff like that. And uh, you have to go to all these castles, kill the bosses so you can unlock the final castle to kill the final boss. Yeah. Uh, but you get upgrades, you spells and items and stuff like that. And there's multiple endings. Uh, there's actually, there's, there's nor there's actually mul- like four or five endings, including the secret time travel ending, which I didn't do because I requires beating the game twice. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a commitment. It's a commitment, but it was fun. Uh, I, I, if you like, I play, I actually like Castlevania too. Uh, Simon's quest. Um, so I, this is like, ah, same kind of vibe. So do you ever play a uh, Simon's the Castlevania two redacted? No, which is like an updated version of, of Castlevania two. Okay. It's like, it's like, you know, like they fix all the problems. Like, you know, the day to night cycle happens far faster. Villagers actually give you clues. Is that like a fan thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's okay. A fan game. Like uh, I first saw on the angry video game nerd. Okay. Neat. Uh, I'll have to check that out. Actually, I'll just go ahead and give my other video game shout out do it uh it is trek to yomi uh, also on game pass it's mm-hmm. also a side-scrolling game but it's an action game and it's very stylized as a black and white samurai film oh, nice. with a film grain it's very interesting it's a fighting game too about like you know timing parries and memory getting combos in for your sword mm-hmm. most enemies are killed with like two hits you only have like you only start with like six hit points so like yeah you, you, you it gets restored at checkpoints so it can be frustrating, but it's it's very cool. It's very aesthetic. So it's like playing in an old, you know, Yojimbo or you know, Zatoichi or Kurosawa film kind nice. of thing. So, uh, but yeah, it's definitely a game you want to play with controller and you want to play. You, you like you need not perfect timing, but like timing those parries helps a lot. Like, <laughs> so yeah, uh, what's your next shout out? Uh, my next one is a YouTube channel. Yeah. Now uh, this, I know I'm. I'm going to say something that might surprise some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. I don't drink. Uh-huh. I didn't know if that I didn't didn't know if that was known. It was, but, actually, but yeah. even though I don't drink alcohol, I find the mixing of drinks to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a lot of bartending channels out there. There's one guy. It's uh, How to Drink mm-hmm. is the name of the channel, and I love the host because he makes it. He actually makes it interesting and. Also, he makes drinks from like he's a he's an avid role player. Like mm-hmm. he does a lot of cyberpunk games. Yeah. So he's done drinks from like Skyrim, Cyber the Cyberpunk game, several from Critical Role. Okay. Yeah. So he uh either recreates uh already existing formulas that they did or he'll make a drink based on something. Mm-hmm. And also he uh now he's gotten to um one of my favorites he does he does thing there's a apparently a Reddit where uh bartending staff post post the uh, receipts for orders they have gotten. Oh yeah yeah. That yeah. and uh, he will recreate that order. And it's 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 some of the most bizarre substitutions or add this or subtract that. I play, I know I, we played that one video where you know he he make he makes this I forget what the drink is but he makes it and he's like this is like a color out of space. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, he's also done some on like making Malort cocktails. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, like, we love Malort here. Yeah. What's well, yeah? It's, he did like how to make how to use the worst liquor in your liquor cabinet to mm-hmm. make something good. Like there's like uh Kowloon wine or like this one is one of the worst things he's ever tasted. Oh yeah. Some Chinese liqueurs are ridiculous. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it's a fun channel. Yeah. Check it out. It's, and, and you know, so there's a lot of bartending channels, but this guy actually, he's, he makes it, he has charisma and he makes it fun. Uh, I want to, yeah. Uh, it, it's a, it's a fun channel. Uh, I want to mention another book, uh, weird tales from a Bangalorean Bangalore, India, mm-hmm. uh, in this con in this context. It's a short, there's actually, uh, I believe Patrick on the RPPR discord link to it. And I was like, okay, well it, it seemed all right. Well, it's cheap on Amazon. So I guess I'll get it. And, uh, I bought it and it's, it's, it's a collection of short stories from this author, uh, about weird, weird tales, but in, in set in Bangalore mm-hmm. and they're, they're kind of linked. Um, but it's very liminal horror. Very like I heard music from my window. It turns out that it's, ancient music from this neighborhood that was built over and like, Oh, it's, it means I'm cursed. Okay. That's fine. And you know, mm-hmm. fungal gross and apartment buildings and weird, weird stuff. Nice. Uh, uh, it's a fun, I, weird tales are different from horror tales. Cause weird tales just kind of like happen. They're about the vibes and like, there's no like horror stories are usually like, and the bad guy was uh, uh, Dracula and because God cursed him. That's the, that's there's, there's like a mythology. Weird tales like shit just happens. 
And it's just like, it kind of ends. Like, mm. you don't necessarily have, like, that catharsis at the end. It's just like, it's like dude, this this was the event. Here you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, Serendi Vishtar, uh, 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 you know, God of Red Tooth. It's just like, oh, yeah. It just, yeah, just pray to a God and you start eating people. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's, yeah. Anyways, uh, cool, weird tales. Nice. Uh, but you had one more. I have, yeah, I got one more. Mm-hmm. This is another YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, it's called Atunshe Films. Oh, yeah. It's a guy, it's a, he's a history buff, does a lot of Civil War stuff. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, some lectures. Uh, he has one, it's like where he, it's a, uh, he has a show called Checkmate Lincolnites where yeah. he both plays a Union and Confederate arguing about the Lost Cause myth. Mm-hmm. But also it's like, he does a lot of more obscure kind of like lectures. Like he did a really great, like almost hour long thing on plague during Shakespeare's time. Oh, cool. Yeah. And like, or describing, we were mentioning film. I thought, and he's saying that, uh, like Shakespeare was, you know, contemporary commercial entertainment. It Mm -hmm. wasn't avant-garde at all. Right. He recently, he's recently, he recently did his own, uh, crowdfunded movie called the, I think it's called the Sudbury devil. He's just, it's, he's in now editing it, but it's a, it's a movie that's, uh, set in like the 1600s. An all the language spoken in original pronunciation, mm. which is a recreation of what the actual like 16th century English accent sounded like. Okay, and that's uh, like the first you know full length movie that's going to be done entirely in that. Nice, yeah. I've I've uh, watched some of his other videos. I remember one he did on the Pilgrims uh, and their beliefs. Uh, yeah, and- I mean, and this guy he also did a board game on uh, King Philip's War. Yeah, I've I've been very very fascinated with all of his videos for a while. Cool. The, yeah, yeah, you should check it out. Put a link to his channel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, finally, I have been watching movies and TV uh, mm-hmm. shows just in general. Two that uh, come to mind. Uh, one is a HBO show, uh, but it hasn't gotten a lot of notice. I think uh, our flag means death. Mm-hmm. Uh, stars Taikiti uh, Taika Waititi. You know, directed uh, mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok and been in a ton of stuff. Uh, anyways, it's a pirate show, but it's a comedic pirate show and it's it's very funny yeah, pirates are fun pirates are fun uh it's about this english noble who wants to be a pirate and so he just leaves his lands and goes to be a pirate and then he meets blackbeard and then stuff happens oh actually that's based on a real pirate i know it's stead bonnet well yeah and that i know he he that's basically what he did and he encountered blackbeard as well well point, this is also like a, a, it's also a very uh gay show like it is oh uh, sure yeah, no yeah but yeah you know that's based it's telling it's based that on the stead bonnet i don't remember what the main the english noble's character name is i don't know it might be inspired by because it's definitely oh, yeah. it's, it's a very stylized show it's not historically accurate no i know I, definitely it's probably definitely uh inspired by stead bonnet yeah for sure because he was an he was an Eng- a lord that became mm-hmm. a pirate right so anyway, it's a fun show. Uh, it's it's very funny, uh, very good acting, and yeah, uh, nice, very uh, cool. And finally, a movie, The Sadness on Shutter. The warning: this is an incredible level of gore, and like, thank it, well, I'm I'm you had me at hello. Yeah, uh, this movie is inspired by the Garth Ennis comics Crossed. Uh, if you're familiar with those, uh, those are x-rated like imagine zombies are just people who have absolutely no chill and they just want to you know murder and and rape and just do horrible things to people imagine that's what the virus does to you it, and so that's what the sadness it more is just like destroys your all your inhibitions basically are you still alive yeah okay yeah the, and you can still use tools you can still talk you just want to do horrible things to people uh with said tools yeah basically uh, and, uh, this movie is, uh, was shot in Taiwan and it's about like what happens if that happens in Taiwan, basically like it's very over the top, like almost comical gore. Cause it's like, uh, at times because, uh, a dude gets stabbed in the neck, a normal person, not an infected person gets stabbed in the neck. And then they cut to a shot of just blood bucketing the ceiling of the, uh, just covering the ceiling of the subway train so it's like oh it's, a, it's more blood than the human fire body. fire hose blood pressure more blood than the human body actually has yeah yeah every people are just drenched in blood and it's just uh so yeah if you like it, it so yeah it, it was I, I maddie and i uh and chris had fun watching it because it was just like okay that is a crazy amount of core like yeah so uh but yeah if it's on shutter now uh, if you like those kind of movies. Um, so yeah. All right. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Uh, but anyways, that ends, uh, I think this episode, 
Hey, if you were an outcast before, now you are part of our you're, you're part of our society. Hey, now. if you don't want to be an outcast, join the RPBR Patreon because we are. That's we a have society. a great Discord and we have a community of really cool people uh, who post links and, and a compound and you, talk and a compound you can ha- hide out in. A, a virtual compound. It's called the Discord server. Well, the, I, I'm everything's not, the metaverse now, including armed compounds. Now, I don't. I don't have an armed compound, Tom. In I, the metaverse, you. I, do. I, sure. You have. You have, a, you have a virtual armed compound. It's yeah. It's a Discord server. I, I don't want people to be misunderstand. I, I don't see what the understood. I don't see what could possibly be misunderstood. Oh, we also. Uh, I, I still stream weekly uh, Sunday nights, six p.m. Uh, to eight uh, on Twitch. Uh, with Baz, and that's been fun. I've joined a time or two. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, we're gonna get probably gonna go over Cyberpunk, uh, third edition, the one with the act, the dolls. <sighs> yeah, <sighs> People, I had to tell Greg Stolze and James Wallace about that. They didn't know about that edition. I sent them pictures of the 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 art, <laughs> the art, and they're like, "What? Yeah, yeah, that that's not even worthy of." Oh, it uh, air, is air quotes. That's yeah. Uh, yeah I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you want to see more, check out our live stream and patrons get access to older live streams. Uh, patrons get so much. They get so much. It is so much value. Um, anyways, that, that's all for this episode. Uh, it is amazing. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you later. See you next time. Hey, it's Russ Payton talking into a microphone. All right. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, 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 hey. In this age of digital communications, it is so good to hear a physical voice oh. from human vocal cords. Don't you agree? I, I do agree. I am Russ Payton, and I talk into a microphone. All right. Ah, yeah. there it is. Yeah. The pleasing, pleasant sound. Mm-hmm. All right.